Welcome to the Marriage by the Book podcast. Whether you have a great marriage or one that needs improvement, this is the show for you. Since 1994, we've used biblical principles to help hundreds of couples, just like you, find relationship success. As you listen, you'll get practical tips, knowledge, and motivation that will help bring greater intimacy and happiness to your marriage so that you can enjoy the relationship you've dreamed of. And now, this is Marriage by the Book. Hello, this is Rick Porterfield. Welcome to the Marriage by the Book podcast. Thank you very much for listening. I really appreciate it. And, um, I ask you to, if you would, share this podcast with others. I believe it'll be a help to them and to you. I know that, you know, a lot of people who listen to this podcast, uh, you know, their marriage, there's nothing really wrong with your marriage. You just maybe want it to be a little bit better. And there are others who listen to it who um, maybe do have some difficulties in their relationship. And the things we're sharing here, the biblical truths will help your marriage, whatever situation it's in. And here's something I was, I was praying this week, and this is something God showed me. And even though I've been doing marriage ministry, Rebecca and I have since 1994, I'd never really quite seen this this way before. And what it was that God showed me is that really every born again Christian, has the equipment already in them to succeed in marriage. And here's the thing God was showing me is, you know, Galatians chapter 5, the fruit of the Spirit. You already have the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, etc. You already have the fruit of the Spirit. Self-control is the fruit of the Spirit. You already have that. The gifts in the, of the Spirit listed in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, you have that. You have the love of God in you. Uh, you know, Romans 5, 5 says, His love has been poured out in your hearts by the Holy Spirit. So all these uh, tools and equipment are already there. You don't have to go get them. You maybe just need to learn how to use and apply them, but you're already equipped. And when I, when the Lord, I start to say, when I got, thought of that, I didn't really think of it, I don't think. I think the Lord showed that to me. It just really kind of encouraged me that, man, there is more hope even for marriage than I thought there was. And there's tremendous hope. I truly believe every marriage has a, has a 100% chance of success and happiness. And anyway, so I've been going through um, the last several weeks now, the actual, the, the sessions that Rebecca and I would take a couple through if we were doing marriage counseling with them. We started off and did uh, about four sessions on the problem in relationships. And there is just one problem, that's self-centeredness. Last week, I started talking about the answer to the problem. And the answer is God's kind of love. Okay, that's the answer to the problem. That is what That is the key to success in marriage, the success in relationships. And in this part two of the answer to the problem, I want to talk about the benefits of God's love in marriage. And I also want to talk about how you do it. How do you apply this kind of love in marriage? And um, so let's get going here because I don't want to keep you too long. But, um, uh, you know, one of the things I told you last week was was my definition of his love through us. OK, uh, God's love. It's, it's a decision to make a selfless commitment to the well-being of another. In this case, that's your spouse, okay? Um, so again, God's love through you, that's a decision to make a selfless commitment to the well-being of another. You know, a decision 
isn't really a decision unless you act on it. Yeah, I can decide to save money, but unless I save money, I really didn't decide anything. I can decide to lose weight unless I really lose weight, unless I follow those things up with action. It really doesn't amount to anything. It really wasn't a decision. So God's love is a decision, which also is going to imply action to make the selfless commitment to the well-being of your spouse, okay? So, that is the answer to marriage uh, situations and issues, marriage problems. Whether your marriage is great, this will make it better. Or whether your marriage maybe isn't so great, this will make it better. This will turn it around. And um, you know, part of my testimony is the, I was an atheist. The reason I became a Christian was because I encountered the love of God. Um, and it just blew my atheism out of the water. So this, this, this love thing is the answer to relationship issues, even in our relationship with God. But anyhow, let's talk about some of the benefits of unconditional love. There's so many benefits of unconditional love, of God's kind of love. So I'm going to list just a few of those here. One is that peace and security in your relationship result from operating in God's kind of love in the relationship. And really, both people don't necessarily have to do this to begin bringing that peace and security into the relationship. If just one of you will do it, it'll bring in peace and security. And I, I base this on the scripture in 1 John four eighteen. Listen to this. There is no fear in love. This is talking about God's agape love. There's no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear because fear involves torment. But he who fears has not been made perfect in love. So a lot of times there's insecurity in marriage, uh, but God's kind of love, if you operate in your relationship in God's kind of love, it casts that fear, that insecurity out. Um, if you love your spouse unconditionally, you know, God's way, they're really free in it. They're not going to be worried about whether you're going to accept them or reject them or whether you might leave them or not. Insecurity is just driven out. So that's one benefit of God's kind of love in marriage. Another is that love covers over sins. You know, when you love somebody God's way, their mistakes, their flaws, when they miss the mark, it's just not that big a deal. First Peter 4, 8 says, and above all these things, have fervent love for one another, for love will cover a multitude of sins. Love will cover them. That's talking, again, that's the word agape, where it says love there, it will cover a multitude of sins. You know, a lot of times when your spouse does something you don't like or whatever, not you, other people, you know, when they do something they don't like, they might blow their stack or get upset. You know, love doesn't do that. It's their mistakes, their shortcomings, it's just not a big deal when you love them this way, when you're committed to their well-being rather than your own. And really, that's kind of the problem there. When somebody's more committed to their own well-being, if somebody else does something that, that may infringe on their well-being or they perceive it as infringing on their well-being in some way, they'll get upset. They'll blow their stack. They'll just go off at the other person. But if you love them and you're about their well-being, it really doesn't matter. Those things just don't matter, Okay. But if you if you love someone unconditionally, their flaws just become less bothersome to you. Okay, so that's another benefit. First um, John four nineteen says we love because he first loved us. Now the reason I read that scripture, this is another benefit. We love because he first loved us. Love is answered with love. Okay, you know the Bible tells us you reap what you sow. That's just a biblical principle. And again, First John four nineteen, we love because He first loved us. Love is answered with love. You know, a lot of the different translations will say we love Him because He first loved us. But if you look at this in the Greek, the word Him's not there. Now I do think that we love God. 
certainly, because he first loved us. But just the fact that God loves us enables us to love other people, including our spouse, okay? So his love enables you to love, and that love from you to others will evoke a love response from them toward you, okay? Think about it. Has there ever been anybody in your life that you just, man, you knew that they just loved you, you know? How did you respond to them? You loved them. I'm sure you did. Um, so that's another benefit of God's kind of love. His love or this kind of love is answered with love. Okay. Another benefit of God's love is found in Psalm 119.47. This, I'm going to read this from the contemporary English version. It says, I love your commands. They bring me happiness. Okay. I love your commands. They bring me happiness. Remember in John 13, I think it's verse 34, Jesus said, a new commandment I give to you that you love one another as I have loved you. So that's the New Testament command. And we see in Psalm where his commands bring us happiness. So loving other people will bring happiness to you. It'll bring joy to you. It'll fulfill you in ways that, that just being out for yourself can never do okay so that's another benefit of god's kind of love okay a a few things here i'm going to just mention a few scriptures and make a point with them ephesians 5 1 says to be imitators of god as dear children romans 13 14 says to put on christ first john 2 6 tells us to walk as he walked okay a lot of times i think a lot of as christians we wish we could be more like god more like christ that we could walk as he walked that we could be more like him there is no time that you're more like god that you're more imitating god that you're more putting on christ that you're more walking as he walked than when you're operating in god's kind of love okay and in the context of marriage that would be toward your spouse and yet this really think about um my definition there of love I mentioned earlier. It's a decision to make a selfless commitment to the well-being of another. It's really not based on their performance. You know, sometimes we base how we're going to treat our spouse on how they're performing. And really, God's kind of love isn't based on performance. Think about how God loves you. He doesn't base his love for you doesn't fluctuate or change based on whether you're having a bad day or a good day or whatever. His love for you is consistent. So that's what we're talking about here. You know, our love for our spouse just needs to be consistent. We just need to love them, okay, with God's kind of love, okay? And finally, a last benefit, and again, there are many, but just for the sake of time, I'm covering some key ones that really speak to me. Um, a, A major benefit of God's kind of love is it is a unifying force. It's a unifying force, okay? Colossians 3.14 and I'm reading this from the New Century Version, says, even more than all this, clothe yourself in love. That's God's kind of love there. Love is what holds you all together in perfect unity. So see, love is a unifying force. And in a similar verse, Jeremiah 31.3, which I read in the last podcast, God says, with loving kindness, I have drawn you. Okay, so there, that's the Old Testament counterpart to agape. It's a word, hesed, which is the same as agape in the New New Testament. Anyway, he says, with loving kindness, I've drawn you. So it's a unifying and an attractive force. Okay, not only it's a love. God's love is a unifying force, but it's also an attractive force. He says there, with loving kindness, I have drawn you. So it's unifying. It's attractive. God's love is it's the opposite of self-centeredness. Self-centeredness is a dividing force. 
Okay, it brings strife. It it causes quarrels and fights. We saw that from Jeremiah, uh, not Jeremiah, from uh, uh, James. Uh, it's also um, the Bible says in in uh, Proverbs um, thirteen. It says that only by strife comes contention. Self centeredness. I'm sorry, only by pride comes contention. Pride is just an exalting of self. It is self centeredness. Um, so it's the opposite. God's love is the opposite of self-centeredness. Self-centeredness is a dividing force. So let's talk a little bit about how you do this. How do you apply unconditional love in relationships? I think in marriage specifically, I think one thing to realize is that unconditional love, is it's not a feeling. It's a decision. You know, feelings will lie to you. Emotions will lie to you. Jeremiah 17, 9 is a great scripture on this. I want to read this to you from the Amplified Classic Version. It says, the heart is deceitful above of all things, and it is exceedingly perverse and corrupt and severely mortally sick. Who can know it, perceive, understand, be acquainted with his own heart and mind? That word heart there is the Hebrew word leb, which means the seat of the emotions, okay? The emotions, feelings. It's saying that that is deceitful above all things and exceedingly perverse and corrupt and severely morally sick, man, you can't, if a person was all those things, if there was a person who was deceitful and perverse and corrupt and severely morally sick, you couldn't trust them to lead you, right? Well, your emotions, according to the Bible, are those things. You know, you can't let, the point of that is you can't allow yourself to be led by feelings. You don't want to let your feelings tell you what to do. Your feelings might tell you that you love somebody when what you really feel is lust. They might tell you you don't love somebody. But it's just a feeling. It's not that decision and commitment. That's not God's kind of love talking to you. you know, rem- remember the marriage vows. We usually promise to love and cherish till death do us part. Can you promise to feel the same way for 50 years? Really, you can't. But you can promise to be committed to someone. Okay, you can do that. So uh, here again, we're talking about how do you do it? So what I'm coming to is this. We need to make a big decision to love your spouse with God's kind of love. Now, what I mean by a big decision is if you, if you make a big decision, it eliminates all the little decisions. I don't have to think, okay, am I going to forgive them this time? Am I going to love them this time? They did this thing. Am I going to love them now? They did that thing. Am I going to love them for that? Love them through that or whatever. That big decision eliminates all that. So I'm encouraging you to make this big decision to love your spouse with God's kind of love, you know, to be committed to them and to making the relationship work no matter what. You know, Malachi 2.16 says God hates divorce. We just need to eliminate the word divorce from our vocabulary. You know, Rebecca and I had at one point, we had to do this because even after we were Christians and began working on our marriage, it will still come up. It was still an option. We had to eliminate it as an option and make a decision that no matter what, we were going to work it out. Okay. You know, we just need to decide, you know what, this is the person for me and I'm going to do whatever it takes to make our marriage work, to make our marriage a success. Okay. I'm going to love them. So, you know, last week I mentioned several scriptures that describe the characteristics of God's love. You you may want to look back at those and, and review them, but put those things to work in your relationship. Begin, begin operating God's kind of love towards your spouse. Those scriptures were Romans 8, 35 through 39, uh, John 15, 13, Jeremiah 31, 3, which I read a few minutes ago. And 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 8, which we call the love chapter. Put those things into effect in your marriage. And I'll tell you, 
Here's a uh, shameless plug. Our book, Marriage by the Book, which is available on Amazon, it's a great resource to help you learn how to walk in love towards your spouse. You know, each chapter of the book, the first chapter is our testimony. Uh, the second chapter talks about the problem, self-centeredness. And then we talk, start talking about love. And each chapter after that really is an application of God's love in your marriage. And there's, there's homework and things there we give. You know, it's the doers of the word that are blessed in what they do, according to James chapter 1. So that homework gives you just practical ways to apply the word, and it will absolutely change your marriage relationship. We've had a lot of testimonies about that. And uh, anyway, so that book, just go to Amazon, look for Porterfield, Marriage by the Book. It'll come up. There's also a workbook. Anyway. So talking again about how do you do this? Can you really love your spouse as God's love, as God loves you? I think it's obvious by now that yes, you can. You know, Jesus commanded it so obviously it's possible. You know, we talked about this last time. First John 5, 3 says God's commands aren't burdensome. So again, it can be done. It's, it was self, as we talked about before uh, a couple weeks ago, that makes these things seem burdensome, makes love or working on your marriage seem like a burden. But if you think about this, so again, the question, can you really love your spouse as God loves you? There's one person in your life that you have no trouble loving with agape love. Okay, you think the best of this person, you judge them by their, their intentions rather than by their actions, etc. And that person's yourself. You love, already love yourself with God's kind of love. And remember, you know, when they asked Jesus, what's the greatest commandment? He told them to love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And he said, the second commandment is like it to love your neighbor as you do yourself. So love your spouse as you do yourself, okay? You can do that. It is possible. Okay, I've been talking here about how love is a decision and a commitment. And probably if I were you, I would think, man, that seems pretty unromantic. You know, I want feelings. I want passion, okay? I want romance, and you're probably thinking that, and I don't blame you, okay? I agree. And here's the good news. Feelings follow decisions. I want to read you a scripture that shows this, okay? You may have to track with me just a little bit on this one, but First Thessalonians 4.9 says this, But concerning brotherly love, you have no need that I should write to you, for you yourselves are taught by God to love one another. Okay, let me go back and read that again and break it down just a little bit. But concerning brotherly love, as I talked about last time, that's the feeling kind of love. That's the feelings. But concerning brotherly love, feelings, you have no need that I should write to you, for you yourselves are taught by God to love one another. When you make that God, when you love each other with this God kind of love, when you make that decision, make that commitment, what this scripture is showing us is that the feelings are really just automatic. He said, I don't have any need to write to you about that because God's going to teach you to love each other. You know, and again, the love of God's already in you. You've got the fruit of the spirit. You've got the gifts of the spirit. It's there. We just need to recognize it's there and begin to operate in it. And God will show you how to do that. You know, feelings follow decisions. I, I was in the military years ago now. But I, I was committed I would run every day to stay in shape because I was in the military. I'd made a decision. I had to follow that up with action. But never once did I just feel like going running. But I would get out, get out there on the track, and I'd start running. And somewhere between a quarter of a mile and three-quarters of a mile, you, know, you kind of get into the rhythm, and you get your breathing kind of evened out, and, and those endorphins kick in. And then I would feel like running. The feelings followed the decision. And if you make the decision to love your 
spouse God's way, the feelings you want will follow that. We've seen this happen with couple after couple after couple. Okay. More than I can remember or count right now. Anyway, they come in, they'll tell us things like, well, I just don't love them anymore. I love them like a brother. I don't want anything bad to happen to them. But that, that love you should have for your spouse is gone. And over and over and over again, we've seen when people make this commitment and begin to operate in God's kind of love, it completely turns that around. Those feelings come back stronger than ever. And you know what what the decision restores, it will maintain. So the way you maintain this love, those feelings of love that you want, the way you maintain those over the long term of your marriage is to stick with that decision. And those feelings of love will remain strong, too. I'm going to stop there. I want to thank you again for listening. And uh, next week, I'll be continuing this, and we'll be talking about removing walls in relationships. Sometimes we've uh, done things to each other and maybe built some walls in a relationship, and those walls can be removed. And we'll be talking about how to do that. Thanks again. Have a great day. God bless you. We hope you enjoyed today's Marriage by the Book podcast. Make sure to like, rate, and review, and hit the subscribe button. For additional resources or to go deeper, visit marriagebythebook.org. See you next time.